0: Welcome to a new world of entertainment, the ultimate film television podcast featuring Mike Winkler, Alistair Englehart, Daniel English, Jeremy Larson And Jason Kabase Created by Friends All Film Lovers We feature in-depth discussions Celebrity Interviews. This podcast is available on all major platforms. Welcome to the Lights, Camera, Action, Entertainment Reviews Podcast. On this episode. Our song, Retrospective, continues. cover two of the eight Saw films. We will be doing in-depth discussions, so this podcast will include spoilers. Retrospective will be hosted by Mike Winkler and Jason Kovacic. And now, our discussion on Saw 5 and Saw 6. Welcome back, everybody. The game continues. So does our Saw Retrospective, as we are now on to Saw 5 and Saw 6. Jason Kovacic.
1: Almost That's there. The end. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling that we're not going to have a whole lot to discuss tonight, ladies and gentlemen. No, um,
0: I, I, I just rewatched these again today. And I got to say, I have a little bit of a surprise to talk about Saw 5 that I'll talk about in a minute as far as my opinion is concerned. But we'll get okay. into that shortly. Um, so, okay. So Saw 5 and 6. Um, this is a series I know when it started out that I never expected to go this long or this deep. Um, no, not at
1: all.
0: No, uh, I, I think based on what I've read, it seems like Saw 3 was supposed to be the end of the franchise. And the way Saw Three kind of plays out, it almost feels like it could have, except the ending is a little
1: I don't know, doesn't feel final. No, I get what you mean there. It really didn't. I don't that's kind of surprising to me though, because I never would have thought that Saw 3 would have been the final of the series. Mm-hmm. Um there were still felt like there were loose ends they needed to tie up. Yeah.
0: There was way too much that they had to go into. Um, but the box office was too strong. They couldn't just end the series there. And obviously the creators had different intentions, but what the surprising thing is, is that the director of Saw 2 and Saw 3 didn't return for Saw 4. He was done. So it seems like he had called it a day and he thought the franchise should have been over.
1: I can understand that. I mean, after you hit Saw Two, after like once you hit Saw Three and on, it felt like it. Why is this still continuing? What like we were discussing.
0: Well, I think after uh, after Kramer had 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 died, it kind of almost felt as though like it ruined the point of why the series is continuing. He is the Jigsaw killer, so why are we carrying it on with numerous others?
1: Uh, I can understand that, but it still felt like there were loose ends. They needed to tie up, like different backstories they had to get into before they could really end the series. <coughs> sure, sure. But they could have also, also done that in Saw 4 and had that been the end of the series, like go over the different origins, the backstories and all that, and tied everything together.
0: Yeah, it's like, no, they decided to go backwards and make Saw 4 a flashback to even before Saw 3 or during Saw 3's events instead of advancing the story forward. They kind of either stayed the same or went a little backwards.
1: Exactly, and that was, like as we were discussing, that was the most confusing two films of the series.
0: I think we can easily say that Saw 4 through 6 is the flashback trilogy because 4 through 6 is loaded with flashbacks compared to 1 through 3.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you're going to be expecting that, especially with the introduction of these characters like Hoffman mm-hmm. and others. Like you were expecting this to happen, especially considering, you know, we're getting the backstory on Hoffman and how he ended up becoming uh, Kramer's apprentice and all that. Right. right. No, you're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm glad that we got
0: um, some. And oh, another big
1: thing is, uh, you know, the introduction of Jill, you know, Kramer's wife. Yeah, it was going to a play a huge part in this series, and you know it was, so they had to do more flashbacks with that. She was
0: the one character I'm glad they went into because we only got little bits and pieces of her, you know, and, and, and I think parts of three and parts of four. So I was glad in five and six where they finally started giving her the screen time, started finally explaining her relevance to Kramer other than just being the wife. She was the motivation really to why he's doing what he's doing because losing their baby – was the whole reason why the whole Jigsaw thing started to begin with.
1: Oh, exactly. It, can we discuss something real quick? Because off topic, the mm-hmm. fact that uh, the actress who plays uh, Jill, um, Betsy Russell, yeah, how has she not aged? She's been acting <laughs> forever. You know, it's funny that you bring that up, because when
0: I was watching the end of Saw 6 and, and they were showing her, I'm thinking, how old is she? Because just from like the last few movies, which was a three-year period, She hasn't aged at all, and for her age, she looks great.
1: Well, yeah, she's got to be, what, about her 60s now? Got to be. Got to be. So, it's just amazing. But anyway, uh, continuing on. So, dive right into Saw 5.
0: Okay, um, first things first. Um, Yeah. It had been a while since I had watched Saw 5. So I didn't remember a whole lot of it. So when I watched it again today and I got to the end of it, I was like, you know, I kind of enjoyed this a little bit. And
1: I'll agree with you. I mean, it was a huge step up from uh, three and four. Mm -hmm. They did a lot more with this that I was not expecting. And I was really happy to see that. Um, Especially with the way that they started doing Hoffman's character more in this. Mm -hmm. I thought they, I'm like okay, I can get behind this. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: no, I, I liked the pacing here. Um, I liked the traps. I liked just the overall story. And th- and this one, I didn't find as confusing as I remembered it to be. I I was able to follow it pretty well. Whereas in four, in parts of three, it just it was jumbled and kind of all over the place. Um, five seemed like it was kind of back on a straightened arrow. So I would easily say that five is already superior to both three and four. I think.
1: Oh, exactly. There's no doubt about that. Like Mm -hmm. I I, I can tell you right now, three and four, it's going to be a toss of which one's going to be at the very bottom of the list. The next one up on that list is going to be the other one.
0: Yeah. Uh, because I, I, I don't even really remember the final chapter too much. I remember the ending, but I don't really remember the, how the whole movie plays out as a whole. So um, I'll be curious to see where my opinions are on final chapter and Jigsaw after this whole thing is done. Because now, 5 really surprised me because I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I actually did today.
1: Yeah. No, I can exp- I can understand that. So anyway, going into 5 here... Um, the budget for this film was 10.8 million and the box office numbers were 113.9. So great. Yeah, but saw six it was, the budget was 11 million and it, the box office numbers just shot down
0: 68.2. Now my question to you is why do you think that is? Because after seeing Saw 5 now, I thought it did a pretty good job of keeping the series interesting.
1: Uh, because, like us, uh, the people just wanted this series to die. There was they wanted to resolve. So of, They wanted a resolve to the story. And it was a matter of we're, we, who knows when that was going to happen at this point. And it was because of that that we finally got the last chapter, you know, until Jigsaw and Spiral uh, decided to rear their ugly heads.
0: Yeah, because I really have to remember, especially Jigsaw, and we talk about that next um, next week. I have to really remember like how the structure of Jigsaw was and why they felt it was relevant to make it after the final chapter, because the final chapter felt final enough. It felt like it closed up enough, and it felt like the end of the story. So for them to just bring Jigsaw up, I remember thinking, didn't really seem necessary, but we'll see when I get that get back to that point again.
1: Oh, I know that it took place uh, at least a few years later from the ending of uh, Seven. And that, yeah. uh, if I remember correctly, it was involving a relative of Kramer's.
0: Uh, I f- that sounds about right. It's been so long since I've seen it. Uh, that sounds right, though. I think you're right on with that.
1: Yeah, so... I mean, it's gonna be interesting once we get to that, like I said, I'm gonna to have to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. So I just watched it for the really for the first time a couple weeks ago, so
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but anyway, going into Soft Five here, we are starting off with a guy that is chained up to a table beneath a pendulum blade. Uh, the videotape informs him that he can release himself by crushing his hands between two presses. Uh, he does so, but the blade still swings down and pretty much cuts him in half as someone watches through the hole in the wall.
0: Well, yeah, this trap was never designed for him to win. He was going to die no matter what because he did actually go through with smashing his hands in the machine, but it didn't matter because Hoffman wanted him dead for the death of his sister because his man actually, we find out later, murdered his sister.
1: yeah. So we find out, you know, why uh like a little bit more on Hoffman's backstory through this with uh, mm-hmm. you know finding out how he ended up becoming uh Kramer's apprentice.
0: What I have to ask you is um with with, with Hoffman's motivation here, because we you know we find out why he does what he does, um do you think Hoffman was just naturally a bad person? Because as we get into Saw Six, we see what he's capable of, and I have to kind of think, was this version of him or
1: always a part of him. I think he always had this capability. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought too. Um, I mean, obviously Kramer saw it too from the um, package that was sent to Jill after his death. And then the same package that was sent to, uh, Oh, uh, Carrie Ellis's character, Uh, at the end of the movie or at the end of seven that we ended up getting the wrap up between everything. Right. The, what got sent to him after um, Jill's death Mm that said to enact uh, the plan on Hoffman. Cause he had a feeling that this was all going to end up happening. Like he knew what Hoffman was capable of.
0: Yeah. Because with Jill getting that last uh, number six envelope with him being on it, of course, Kramer thought he deserved to be tested
1: as well. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, so, all right, going through that. In the present, after being locked in the sick room at the meatpacking plant by Hoffman, FBI agent Peter Strem escapes through a hidden doorway but is attacked in the tunnel by a figure in a pig mask. He wakes up with his head sealed in a box being filled with water but survives by performing a tracheotomy uh, trachetomida- – Tracheotomy yeah. with his pen outside mm-hmm. Hoffman discovers uh Corbett Denlin to the pol- or delivers Corbett Denlin to the police and claims they are the only survivors but a shocked when Strom is brought out alive as well. Um, I was
0: <laughs> with Strom being the hero in this film, I think this was the first time I think since Detective Matthews where I felt attached to a character that we were following in a Saw movie. I mean, we all know throughout each of these movies, we seem to get a different person to follow. Oh, Um, yeah. You know, um, but uh, I I think the one thing that really irritates me by these movies the most is, is that we never get like a certain character to follow throughout the films. It's always these one-off situations where they're hinted at the movie before just to be used as one-offs in one of their own movies. Um, uh, we got the same thing with Rigs in Saw Four. We got the same thing with um in Saw Three. With um, who wasn't in Saw Three? Uh...
1: Uh... oh, it wasn't time to look it up. That would be
0: guess it was kind of a man uh,
1: that would be no um uh denlin uh dr lynn Den, uh, dr lynn denlin lynn, uh, lynn denlin was That's the right. wife and it was uh jeff
0: yeah so these are always one-offs and then in number two we had the group that was in the house but that was also about matthews and then in the first movie it was about danny glover's character and, and 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 then the guys in the room of course the doc and adam but um I don't know. I I just feel like um, this series only wants you to be attached to Kramer and Hoffman. That's what, that's what it feels like. And then and then Jill, as we proceed in five and six, it yeah. just feels like we should we, we we shouldn't be cheering for nor being attached to any other character but the three the three villains in a way. Although Jill's not really technically a villain,
1: but I mean, when you really think about it, Jill was really the main heroine uh, through the series.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, saw really saw five, five, six, and seven. She pretty much was. Um, yeah, I guess when you put it that way, I guess if there's one character that was consistent, was her. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, uh, Strom. Was, I think Strom was the one character that I was kind of bummed got killed off in five because he felt like he was going to be the hero going forward to the series ended because he was trying to expose every little piece of the puzzle. And then for him to die the way he did. Um,
1: Does it surprise you though?
0: No, it doesn't really surprise me because Hoffman always seemed to, you knew
1: that that Hoffman was going to end up doing that to keep himself hidden.
0: Yeah. I mean, it made sense. Hoffman was always a step ahead of him. Um, I think the one thing, too, about Five that bothered me the most was that the movie felt a little anticlimactic.
1: I Yeah, that kind of it, but it still was uh, leagues above Three and Four.
0: Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I I would not fault the ending of this film to be – no, I I was just surprised where Saw Five ended. You know, Strom gets crushed and the movie just ends. You know, um, it felt really abrupt, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's how I kind of felt it Felt that.
1: abrupt, but I, it, I thought it was a decent ending, I guess, to the, that, this movie in particular,
0: I don't think it was the worst ending of the series.
1: No. Uh, but anyway, going through this, um, during a press conference, Hoffman is promoted to detective lieutenant and credited with closing the jigsaw case. He finds a note in his office reading, I know who you are, and learns of Agent Lindsey Perez's death while taking Strom's cell phone from the police evidence room. At the hospital, Strom tells Hoffman that Perez's last words were Detective Hoffman and questions how he escaped the plant after being put on medical leave by his boss, Dan Erickson. Strom suspicious of Hoffman decides to uncover his involvement with jigsaw and takes case files of past jigsaw victims to research them on his own
0: yeah um the, the crumbs that we get here that all lead to Strom uh, being the guy they're targeting in saw six um I think this is where the this is the mistakes that Strom made is that he he had to he deep down he knew Hoffman was always staying ahead of him, but he kind of got so blocked by Hoffman being the guy that he wasn't necessarily using his brain going forward. And he didn't think about the long term picture of this. Hoffman's big master plan was not only to have Strom get killed and trap him, but to basically pin the murders all on him.
1: No, no, I, I know that. But um it was a it was a good this is a good, I I guess, chess match between the two. It was. And I liked that's why I liked
0: those two kind of budding heads
1: because I thought that they were. And there, I mean, this, this one didn't focus a lot on the traps like the others did. I thought
0: maybe that's why I liked it because I didn't feel this like this we were one, relying like three on
1: that. This like three and four, develop like relied a lot on the traps. Uh, mm-hmm. Five here, evolved, like, involved a lot of character development, which. We thought, which we had discussed on the first uh, episode of this retrospective, was a key part of why one and two were good. Mm-hmm. No, uh, no, which you're is right. why I think we enjoyed five a lot more than three and four is because it kind of went back to those roots.
0: Well, I also like two and five, where again we went with a group of people like saw two that were trying to get through the, the, the traps room by room. And I think Saw always works is, is at its best when it puts groups of people in, in situations where they got to get through trap rooms. And Saw 2 and, f- and 5 um, were the only ones to do it up until Jigsaw, where Jigsaw did it. And that's part of the reason why I liked Jigsaw a little bit, too, is because it went back to that group trap thing. Um, I'd even put number one in that category with a group trap, even though it's only two of them. It was still them trying to get out of a room where they were trying to find out how to get out. The movie, the movies always seem to suffer when it's just putting one person in a trap and making them get out of it instead
1: of a group. Oh, I know. Uh, but I'm kind of glad. I think that they did a lot of good things with this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the camera work felt like it was a lot better in this film than in the prior films.
0: It wasn't as frantic. The editing was not as uh, crazy and out of control and flashy different direction I think actually was a better thing for them to go forward with because the direction three and four, I just felt like were a little too frantic.
1: No, I agree. Uh, But anyway, so going back to this um, in an underground sewer level, we're, we're going in through the group of people here. Uh, Five people awaken with collars locked around their necks connected to by cables to a set of blades mounted on the wall behind them. The keys to the collars are in individual glass boxes around the room. A videotape informs them that they are all connected and need to complete multiple tests to survive. They are also told to do the opposite, in quotations here, Hmm. of their instincts throughout the game. Everyone survives the first game, but Ashley, who fails to retrieve a key and gets decapitated when the collars retract in the second room which is filled with explosives on a timer malik Britt, and luba each receive keys to bomb shelters set in the walls leaving charles to die when the timer expires and explosives detonate in the third room brit kills luba and she and and she and malik connect her corpse to five cables to complete an electric circuit that unlocks the next door In the final room, Malik and Britt find a machine fitted with five saws and a beaker requiring 10 pints of blood to open the final door. They realize that all prior tests could have been completed without victims if they work together and figure out their connection. They were all involved in a building fire that killed eight people. Malik and Britt concede a truce and each slice an arm and the saws to provide the blood needed to open the door.
0: I liked that twist in the explanation of they needed everybody in that room and they could have worked together all along because they were all so bullheaded through each trap that they just felt which, like every person needed to die in one in one room.
1: Yeah, which goes exactly with the description here and that they were told to do the opposite of their instincts throughout the game. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, yep. And I, I, I liked that little twist and... uh Sadly, uh, I, I guess based upon what we see,
1: Doug but is- it was the fact that we really um, those two both ended up getting out of the uh, puzzle set by Hoffman essentially centrally in this.
0: Yeah, but I don't know if they, I don't know if the guy survives because the last time we saw him, he was on the ground, passed out, still in the room. And the door was still open, which I thought the bombs would still go off in that room if they didn't go through the door, which it never seemed to. Um, but when the FBI agent came in the room and was going through the room looking for you know clues and he saw that Strom's phone was there and this and that, he helped, he helped the, the woman as she was bleeding out. But the thing that bothered me is that he never called like an ambulance. She was bleeding out and she never called anything. He's looking around the room and he's not calling for help.
1: Well, because a lot of these people are aware of, you know, the different puzzles that uh, Jigsaw would have had set up. So it could have been a lot worse had he actually called someone because you never know what kind of trap he mu- that might have been set to prevent them from interrupting the game. Do you think? Do you think that either one
0: of those two survived because they never really... I think they did. At least her, I think. I, I kind of got to I think the achievement.
1: They, I, think they bo- I think they both did. I think it was the guy passed out from blood loss is what it was. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, but all in all, yeah, I liked the twist there. Um, um then there. Going back
1: through this, uh, meanwhile, Strom learns that Hoffman killed Baxter as revenge for murdering his sister and made it look like a jigsaw game to get away with the crime. It is revealed through flashbacks that he was later abducted by John Kramer, who blackmailed Hoffman into becoming his first apprentice. Mm -hmm. So really, Hoffman was blackmailed into becoming Kramer's first apprentice. Otherwise, Hoffman would have been going down with uh, murder. You know, I
0: would have agreed with what Hoffman did up until the point in Saw 6 when they find out his identity and he kills everybody in that in that room when they're going through the audio tape and the way he kills Perez with the knife and, or, or with oh, yeah. stabbing her up to that point, I would have thought, okay, he's being blackmailed; He had no choice. But at that point I was kind of like, no, dude, you're not redeemable. You're, 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 you've gone really, really bad. You're just as bad as anybody else now.
1: Oh, exactly. I, and, mm-hmm. and that was kind of expected. Like Kramer knew what was going to happen. I think in the end. Yep uh so let's see um it was also revealed through flashbacks that hoffman assisted kramer in kidnapping paul lay for his test in saw as well as assisting kramer in setting up the nerve gas house from saw two strom concludes that everyone was meant to die at the plant except for corbett and hoffman who would appear as a hero everywhere uh elsewhere Strom's activities draw Erickson's concern, which is fueled, which is further fueled when John's ex-wife Jill Tuck, who received a box and videotape from John's will, approaches him and claims Strom is stalking her. After Hoffman tells Erickson about Strom's theory of a second appro- accomplice, Erickson tries to call him. Hoffman intercepts the call on Strom's phone and immediately hangs up. Now suspecting that Strom is involved, Erickson has one of his agents track the phone signal. So all right, we got a lot of information in uh, the sequences of flashbacks, at least. Which, again, I think they could have done all this and extended the plate, the uh, movie time for four. And made that the final film, like we could have gotten a lot more information by doing that. Do you with Hoffman
0: being like the guy that helped him out with everything going back as far as at least saw two? Did you find the explanation believable or a little far fetched? Um I can find it a little believable.
1: Hmm. What about you?
0: Um, there were certain aspects that I found believable because there were certain things that I think Kramer was um too fragile to come up with, especially with the way some of the traps were and carrying bodies and such and, and such. So somebody had to be involved. Um, I think the only part that I just I didn't really that I found to be a little dicey was Hoffman and um Amanda's kind of tension and situation. And then in like in Saw 6, finding out that he was part of the reason why Amanda decided to kill the doctor and why she also ended up getting killed, that he was basically the reason for that.
1: I, I can understand the far-fetchedness of that. Because mm-hmm. I felt like we were duped.
0: Like, okay, so now all of a sudden Amanda only went bad because Hoffman forced her into it. To me, Saw 3 gave us the impression that Amanda was just jealous of the doc being close with Jigsaw in those situations to me, it almost felt like a retcon of Amanda to try to justify her, and I didn't like that. I thought they were trying a little too hard to make Amanda not as bad as she as she was. It's like, for instance, when she sent the uh, the drug guy into the center, that ultimately resulted in Jill losing the baby, yeah. um, and uh, how she felt she felt uh, guilty for that, but she felt she felt sad about it. Um, so the movie, again, Saw 6 felt the need to retcon her a little bit and justify her actions. And I, to me, it just made Saw 3 now feel with her like she's not as bad as, as, as we were made to be believed.
1: Exactly. And you find out really that it was technically because of Amanda that Jill lost her baby. Yeah. Yeah, it was because she sent the guy in there to go
0: after drugs and... That caused the confrontation.
1: I, I really, you can start like it was seven. I think wrapped everything up, like I said, in a neat little bow because we got the more explanation from Amanda, especially with this, mm-hmm. uh, with that yep. movie. Once we get there, and mm-hmm. uh, t- like this is that's what we should have gotten. I think in four, we could have got it
0: all in four. I mean, they could have. They cut didn't out a lot of bullshitting for in order to get that. Like
1: they didn't need to focus so much on you know trying to go, oh, this game is taking place at the same time as three was. They could have taken that and still done a little bit of the game, but they could have also made the movie longer and put these flashbacks and the story progression in four mm-hmm. and uh, gotten an ending to the story then.
0: Well, I think they wasted so much time in Saw Three because, like we, like I said, told you before, Saw Three ended up being the longest. I think it was an hour fifty, hour fifty-five, which is long for a Saw film because all these afterward have been like an hour thirty-five, hour thirty. I feel like that Saw Three wasted its two-hour, nearly two-hour runtime. That if it would have got past a lot of the filler bullcrap that we got in three and done some of what Saw Four, Five, and Six had done, we very easily could have got this all wrapped up in four
1: movies. Oh, exactly. Mm-hmm. But you know the last bit of five here, following the signal to an observation room from for the sewer game, Erickson finds the phone and his own personnel file, both planted by Hoffman. He also finds the still living Briton Malik, ah, and calls for medical attention before putting an all points bulletin on Strom, convinced mm-hmm. that he is jigsaw's successor. Meanwhile, Strom follows Hoffman to the renovated nerve gas house and finds an underground room containing a box filled with broken glass shards and a tape. In the tape, Hoffman urges Strom to enter the box, but he stops it short and ambushes Hoffman, whom he seals in the box. Strom believes he has finally caught Hoffman, but the door to the room shuts itself, and the walls begin to close in Close in as the box is lowered into the floor. Strom finishes playing the tape, which warns him that if he does not enter the box, he will die, and edited tapes will be broadcast to frame him as Jigsaw's apprentice. Mm -hmm. Hoffman descends safely beneath the floor as Strom is finally crushed to death. I said, I think that this was a great ending to the movie, um, Mm -hmm. showing that Hoffman, if... They weren't going to, ex- like, if they weren't planning on making another movie after this, I think this could have been a good ending here because this was Hoffman won the game of chess against uh, Strom, mm-hmm. and that Hoffman would have gotten his wish and uh, framed uh, Strom for all the jigsaw murders uh, after Kramer had died.
0: Yeah, and that also could have been the end of Hoffman's story. It could have been the end of him playing Kramer's game instead of having it prolong into, you know, more shenanigans and then lead him down a path of complete, um, no way of going back kind of situation that we Exactly. It.
1: And Hoffman, like I said, Hoffman knew that Strom would have, uh, been aggressive and, and not listen fully to the tape because entering that box would have saved his life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it would have and and it's almost like Hoffman knew there was no way to get in that box. He was basically telling him, hey, get in the box is going to save your life but he knew damn well he wasn't going to get in there. He knew it all along. Yeah. Um, so, was so,
1: the end of five so favorite trap?
0: Um, hmm. Uh, I, I I don't think I could pick out one specific one. I just I like the whole series of events of traps through each room that all five of them have to get through to get the keys and the bathtub. I like that whole sequence of all those traps combined. I agree. Um, I
1: enjoyed that. I have to say though, my favorite was probably the first one, the first uh, the room. The pendulum. No, the first I room. Was with the first group. room
0: with the the things tied and they had to get to the keys. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That was a pretty good one too. Yeah, um, I, I I liked the traps. I thought the traps were a little bit more innovative this time around. Um, they didn't have to be, like, overly thought out. They were just basic and simple, but they worked. They worked. The movie didn't feel the need to focus on that, and that's what makes this movie better than some of the ones before it. Exactly. All right, so Saw 6. Yeah. Um, Overall thoughts on Saw 6. Not quite as good as Saw 5.
1: No, it wasn't as good as Saw 5, but still better than 3 and 4.
0: It was. 5 and 6 is kind of what I hoped 3 and 4 would have been. And this is exactly why we said 3 and 4 could have ended the series. Because when you think about it, 3 and 4 almost don't feel necessary. Some of the plot stuff, anyway.
1: Some of the plot stuff, yeah. But, I mean, Kramer's death, he kind of figured, was going to have to be in there at some point.
0: Yeah, that's probably the only thing I think out of saw 3 and 4 that was kind of like an important moment. Um everything else in saw 3 and 4 just kind of felt like getting to a another point or to, to advance the story in another direction.
1: Yeah. All right. So uh mm-hmm. going into a little bit on the story here for saw 6 uh directed by uh, Kevin Gruter, uh in his feature directorial debut mm-hmm. from a screenplay written by Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan. The sixth installment in the Saw film series uh, obviously so stars your normal cast at this point, uh, which is Tobin Bell, Costas Mon- uh, Mandiler, Betsy Russell, Mark Rolston, Peter Outerbridge, and Shawnee Smith. Uh, Similar to its predecessor, Saw Six maintains a focus on the posthumous effects of the Jigsaw killer and the progression of his successor, Hoffman. The plot follows an insurance executive who must complete a series of deadly games set up by Hoffman in order to rescue his employees. Meanwhile, the FBI comes to suspect that Peter Strom, who was framed by Hoffman as being Jigsaw's successor, is not actually a jigsaw accomplice and reopens the investigation drawing hoffman into motion protect secret identity
0: this is another situation where we went back to rooms of traps but these weren't like your rooms of traps from saw five this was a journey to um basically get inside the mind of the insurance worker to use his job against him in these trials which i thought were really cool because the trials were so fitting to his job. And we get that nice flashback with uh, with Kramer and, and the insurance man. And that conversation is so, so important to his whole game with these traps. And that's why, again, this is another situation where the traps don't feel like they're just being thrown down our throat for blood. There's some thought to them. There's some reasoning to them. And uh, this is why I think, again, this works better than three and four.
1: Yeah. All right, so interesting note here. Um, Going through all, actually, I just found out another good reason as to why uh, Saw Six did so low. Mm -hmm. Paranormal Activity released around the same time. First Uh, one.
0: That's when Paranormal Activity was getting got red hot. That was like the new. The new fad saw was kind of making its way out, paranormal activity was making its way back in, and it's kind of funny because paranormal activity started uh, taking the same route as saw with numerous franchise installments. I think they got to five or six, too, did they not? I think so. Yeah, I, I
1: last I knew they might have started going direct to DVD, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but so interesting little information here, though. Uh, Film was released by Lionsgate in the United States on October 23rd, 2009. In Spain, yeah, in Spain, it was the first film to receive a Policula X uh, rating for violence, a rating usually reserved for pornographic films. Uh, the rating restricted screenings to eight select theaters in that country. It was released almost a year later on October 8th, 2010 in Spain with an 18 rating. After the producers had the offensive content edited out, according to the rating board, with gross receipts of 14 million in its opening weekend. uh, Saw 6 placed second to Paranormal Activities, 21 million. Uh, 6 went on to gross over 68 million worldwide, the lowest grossing Saw film to date, but still a financial success compared to its small budget. Uh, reviews were mixed with some criticizing the acting and others praising uh, Gertrude's directing, considering it an improvement over the last few installments, and noted the film's contribution to the debate on healthcare reform in the United States.
0: Yeah, I almost forgot about that, that it kind of came around the time that Obamacare had been launched. And yeah, I could see that there was a lot of references to it actually. I don't know if it was in a negative way or a positive way. I, I looked at it as in they were kind of knocking Obamacare in this case.
1: Well uh, I mean, when you consider I mean it had a it actually had a contribution to the debate on healthcare reform in the United States. So I would say more it was praising it than anything else.
0: Yeah maybe you're right. Like a
1: man like a mandatory like healthcare reform for everyone. Yeah, we got to come in here doing good. How about you? Welcome, welcome, welcome. All right. So, we're going to go into the first bit of this film here. Oh, uh, lone sharks, Eddie and Simone locked into head harnesses with screws aimed at their temples, have one minute to each carve flesh from their bodies with their provided cutting tools and weigh the scale individually in favor for survival. When the overweight Eddie slices chunks of fat from his stomach, the contraption kills him after Simone chops chops off her arm and tips the scale until the timer expires. Their game is observed by Hoffman, who had exited the box to safety and implants the scene with fingerprints using FBI agent Peter Strom's severed hand. The police and FBI agent Dan Erickson investigate along with FBI agent Lindsay Perez, whose survival was concealed by Erickson for her protection. During the autopsy on Eddie, uh, Dr. Adam Hefner reveals the scalpel used to cut the flesh pieces from his body is the same blade used years ago on Seth Baxter. Perez and Erickson reopen the investigation to analyze the videotape found at the crime scene and distort the speaker's voice.
0: Um. Okay, so I guess the only part of the movie that I, fu- I felt like was a little jumbled, um, and this is not even that bad, was, of course, when we were trying to figure out what exactly Jill was doing with the box. Um, they really, really danced around that for a good more than half of the film, uh, not really showing us what was going on with that box and what was in it and what what its uh, relevance was to the uh, the plot going forward. Yeah. Uh, Cuz really they didn't show us really much of what it was until about maybe 75% of the way
1: through the film. Oh, I know. Uh yeah, it was probably about that amount of times when uh we've got to see anything. Yeah, but other than
0: that, I mean, that that's my only gripe I think here.
1: Yeah, I really didn't have a whole lot to complain about. I there were obviously there were bits and pieces where like, okay, was this really necessary or they could have done this a little bit better, but I, it, this is to be expected.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, we're we're six movies into a into a franchise that's gone well past its its, its expiration.
1: Prime.
0: Yeah, so I mean, we're bound to get some things that are going to be eye rolling inducing at
1: this point. All right, so going further in here. Hoffman arrives at Jill Tuck's clinic and demands her to hand him five envelopes containing photographs of the following game's test subjects from the box left to her in Kramer's last request. The game involves health insurance executive, William Easton and his associates whose company's dubious business policy turned down the, their client's coverage for medical treatment. After Hoffman abducts them to an abandoned zoo William and his janitor, Hank, are suspended in chains with large metal vices that will crush their bodies each time they breathe in the oxygen masks. The vice kills Hank as William proceeds to his other three tests to unlock the remaining bomb shackles from his limbs. The second test at an aquarium forces William to save his elderly secretary, Addie, over his file clerk, Alan, who hangs to death from his barbed wire noose. At the boiler room, William unwittingly releases his lawyer, Debbie, who attacks him to retrieve a key inside his body on the lock of spear gun attached to her harness, but he manages to fight her off until the device kills her. William's last test involves his six subordinates chained to rotating roundabouts where he is only able to save two of them from a mounted shotgun. The game is viewed by Mother Tara with her teenage son, Brent, and news journalist Pamela Jenkins from two opposite animal closures below the observation room.
0: I got to ask you this question. So I don't know if you um, noticed a few uh, small cameo parts in this in this part here with uh, his um, his associates that were in the the uh, the spinning trap. Um, first of all, uh, do you you've, have you watch Family Matters, which is the um, Urkel show, Steve Urkel show? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you know the one that played the uh, the brother, the big brother,
1: the uh, brother, Eddie. Yeah, Eddie was in this movie. Really? Oh, uh, what's the actor's name? Oh, I don't even know. Um, do Do you know what his character's name was?
0: I don't know the character's name, but he was the character in uh, in the beginning when he was talking about. Uh, he stood up. He was in like a yellow shirt, and he told uh, him about how oh, he found this, this, and this. We can't cover this guy because he goes to the doctor all the time.
1: Uh, give me one second
0: here. Um, I'll explain the other one too. Um, have you ever seen the show Winona Earp? No, you
1: know, I have
0: not. Know? Okay, the one of the other girls too that was in the spinning trap, she was in the pink shirt too. She actually plays the lead character, Winona Earp. Um, okay. So, yeah, there were two characters that I uh, or two actors that I recognized in this part that I was actually surprised to see.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, he was Dave. Yep. That's actually pretty interesting. I've in, uh, never caught that until you mentioned it, so I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch that to see. Uh-huh. All right. So going back through here, um, to talk uh, to during the game, Hoffman is called away by Erickson to the audio lab after obtaining the videotape. Erickson, now aware of Strom's demise, confronts Hoffman after discovering the abnormalities found in Strom's fingerprints at the time of his death. When Hoffman's voice is unscrambled from the tape, he kills Erickson, Perez, and a technician before they can discover his identity as Jigsaw's accomplice. Hoffman returns to the observation room and finds the letter he wrote to Amanda Young, who indirectly instigated Cecil Adams' robbery at Jill's clinic that resulted in her miscarriage. Hoffman used this knowledge to blackmail Amanda into killing Dr. Lynn Denlin, The letter was found by Pamela and given to Jill, who then used it to ambush Hoffman. Jill, who had the remaining contents from a box, including a sixth envelope containing Hoffman's photo, restrains him and locks locks a modified reverse bear trap to his head, posthumously fulfilling John's will to test Hoffman after his death.
0: Tell me something. Were you a little uh, upset about Perez's death after they just brought her back when we thought she was dead?
1: Yeah... Yeah, I was I was a little upset about that. I'm not going to lie. But I kind of saw that one coming.
0: I mean, yeah, it made sense. She knew too much. She had her suspicions of Hoffman from the time that, you know, especially since Strom had said that the one thing she said before he thought she was dead was about Hoffman. So, I mean, it was only a matter of time. There was either going to be her or Hoffman, and we knew that Hoffman wasn't going to go down by her. It was just too
1: – it just wouldn't have worked. Oh, I know. But it's still suck to see that, yeah. And I do like that sequence here um, with the with uh, Jill ambushing Hoffman, uh, and we find out that the contents from the box included the envelope containing Hoffman's photo and the modified reverse bear trap, uh, and the. Will from John to test Hoffman after his death to see, you know, he whether or not he had the will to survive. Which I mean, you find out in seven that I mean after the end of this, that yeah, he got the will to survive and all that, but that also set him off in a way to like just pissed him off to the point where he went after Jill after this.
0: Yeah, I, I was kind of glad that uh, that Jill didn't bite it here because I thought, and um, I was
1: kind, and I was fully expecting uh, that this had to have been expected by uh, Kramer because of the envelope that was sent to his actual accomplice.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, I I, I liked I like again I liked the structure here going into this reveal at the end of the film as to you know how jill's laying out kind of her plan of her own and kind of tricking off them without giving him the final envelope
1: yeah all right so the end of the film here william reaches the end of his path and enters the cages where he reunites with pamela who was a sister he is confronted. what's that that was
0: that was a hell of a twist
1: oh i know Uh, He is confronted by Tara and Brent, who are the family of Harold Abbott, a former client who had succumbed to his heart disease after William recently denied his medical request. John's videotape informs Tara to decide William's fate by using the lever in her cell that connects the two tanks of hydrofluoric acid from each cage. When William and Pamela try to persuade the family, an enraged Brent pulls the lever which releases a platform of needles that injects the acid into William, killing him. Jill exits the room as Hoffman releases his wrist restraints and pulls his head out of the bear trap with the door window, tearing away his right cheek in the process after it activates. That, so that was fantastic. that was that was a great sequence, I thought, there with Hoffman, because of the fact like he had thought about how to escape that uh bear trap.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, by no, shoving
1: it through good. the bars in the window in order to lock it into place. That way, I mean, yeah, he was gonna take some damage from it, but it was only gonna cost him uh the flesh from his cheek instead of, you know, ripping his face open. Mm-hmm.
0: No, I thought that was very innovative of him that he had to really uh think really fast on how to how to figure that whole thing out, and he did it quickly. Unfortunately, it cost him his cheek, but it could have been a hell of a lot worse.
1: Exactly. So, So, with this favorite trap in Saw 6... Um...
0: Hmm. Um... I probably would have to go with the, uh... The 6, um... Employees on the on the spinning trap. I thought that was kind of a kind of a creative idea with the shotgun and making him decide which two were going to survive out of the six.
1: Okay. About- um, mine, I figured you would have gone with two, only because of the sequence that followed with it and the quick thinking on Hoffman, and that was the reverse bear trap.
0: The reverse bear trap was pretty good, and, and the fact it. that it
1: the fact that it had a moment of symbolism uh, with in seven, which True. ultimately was because that was the same trap that was put on him was put on Jill, which was the reason that she ended up getting killed in the last movie. Yep,
0: yep. No, it made a lot of sense, and it, it that's a pretty cool full circle moment at the end of this film. It sets up the final well what should have been the final movie uh, pretty well. Um, It's definitely a good setup for it, but uh, yeah. So, okay. So now that we've gotten to the point of through six films, now, where do you rank them?
1: Um, I'm still going to say one and two are my top three and four at my bottom. I'm going to have to say three at the bottom. Well, four at the bottom, three above that. Then I'm going to have to go six above that, five after that, then two, then one.
0: Okay. Um, my orders kind of changed a little bit now. Um, one of course still staying at the top because one's just the it's just one of the best ones, no question about it. But yeah. where it used to be two for me at number two. Number five is now at number two. Okay. Um, so now it's gonna go one five two. Six, four, three. Okay. So, yeah, three, I don't know. Three is stay, staying at the bottom, and I don't see Jigsaw or seven taking that spot. Three, just it was just too long and just dragged out and had too much stuff that just was completely unnecessary. So I don't see three moving out of that slot, unfortunately.
1: No, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't fault you for that list at all. I would go the same route, too. It's just I thought two was slightly better than five.
0: Fair enough. The, the two and five is tough because two and five, I saw a lot of similarities with each other. So in a way, I f- I feel like they're almost kind of on the same, the same level with each other. So yeah. uh, it was kind of hard to decide that. But I just I think the reason I picked five is because I found myself enjoying five just a tad bit more.
1: Okay, um, I can tell you right now. Once we get through the next one, my list is going. My order is going to change up.
0: Near the near, near the top, is going to change up.
1: Yeah, near the top's gonna change up.
0: Interesting. Okay, I'll be curious to hear that one.
1: Uh so do you have anything else you want to add, Mike?
0: No, just that next week will be our Saw retrospective finale for now until Spiral comes out with uh Saw the Final Chapter and Jigsaw. Um and uh, then, I-
1: then another thing is that it's looking like we are going to be doing the Matrix retrospective yep. as the next series.
0: Yep. We were going to announce that the Matrix retrospective will be next. We'll say the Matrix trilogy retrospective, but again, it's the same situation with, with Saw. It's the Saw trilogy retrospective or the Matrix trilogy retrospective for now until we get the Matrix 4 at the end of the year uh, to talk about that one. But, um, so yes, the Matrix will be coming next from us, uh, we got word from Dan English today that he will be rejoining us so it looks like we're going to have our entire five man crew back for the matrix matrix retrospective. So that'll Ooh, be-, be nice. Yeah, cuz we have not been all five since we did the uh, solo podcast. So um that'll be a lot of fun.
1: Oh, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Lots to discuss with the matrix. Uh, and we're going to do something different with the matrix. Instead of doing, you know, where we combine movies in one podcast we will be going back to doing a movie a podcast because the matrix is just too thought-provoking there's just too much detail to go and just talk about them all in one podcast
1: no oh, i wholeheartedly agree i think that is the right option that you need to do with that you need to give each film their due time
0: yeah yeah their due diligence and then that's exactly what we're gonna do so uh all right so one through six of saw complete seven and eight will come next week um, I think we're looking at the matrix retrospective, probably beginning either next week or the following week. Uh, we'll keep you updated on our Facebook and Twitter pages on when that's going to be coming at you. But look for our finale of the Saw retrospective uh, this
1: time next week. All right. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is Mike, This is Jason Kapowski and Mike Winkler for the Shut Up Mike uh, <laughs> for the Lights Camera Action Review podcast. Um, that's a wrap. Cut and print. Thank you for listening to
0: this episode of our podcast. And next week, look out for our finale of our Saw retrospective as we talk about Saw, the final chapter, and Jigsaw. Also coming soon, our Matrix retrospective begins our whole five-man crew breaks down all three films. To read more of our reviews and listen to our podcast, go to LCAMovieReviews.com and listen to our podcasts on all major platforms. Thank you for listening to the Lights, Camera, Action Entertainment Reviews Podcast.